Dave Patel as Aragorn if they have remade Lord of the Rings. Oh my god, shut the front door. But he could yes. also be Legolas, like the range. The you know, range. In, the, in the same way that Phoebe Waller-Bridge did a one-woman show of Midsummer, In our imaginations, at least. Not for real. Dave Patel could, could do a one-man show. One-man Lord of the Rings. Of Lord of the Yay! Well, it's snowing. Uh huh. Friends, it's snowing here in the Pacific Northwest. Well, in the Seattle area specifically, and Seattle down, Tacoma. And down here, it's just raining a whole lot. Oh, you're you you have rain. We have snow here where yeah. I am on the Kitsap Peninsula. And yeah. It's it looks very pretty, but. At the same time, we have gotten so much snow this winter. We have. Yeah. I feel like, is it, is it just me or have we gotten like way more snow this winter than like in oh, past winters? Absolutely. I also, yeah. I have to say though, I have, I have a need for this kind of a gloomy day. Mm. My week was so hard that just, mm. this just feels like a nice reset. I'm going to like deep clean my home after this and it's gonna Mm. be stormy outside like the spiritual cleansing of a rainstorm yeah i really need it right now i have to say yeah yeah but yeah i really do think that we have gotten more more wintry snowy weather this it's almost as if the climate is like changing i don't know i don't know why you would suggest that that's obviously (laughs) fake news Oh my I don't know. It's no, no. it's so crazy, right? It's so crazy, um, and then like our <laughs> our summers are like a lot hotter for some right? reason. Like, yeah, we oh get you know these weeks in the summer where like it's a hundred degrees for seven days straight, which which isn't you know doesn't which doesn't seem like a lot for like other parts of the country where like that's just the norm. And but like, in yeah. until like recent years, yeah, like. Our summers have barely cracked like the 90s yeah. most of the time. Also, and so this is, yeah. I was raised in Ojai, California, which is a desert, and it had snow this week. So, yeah, I heard that uh, maybe this was like last week or the week before, but like sometime recently, there was like a blizzard warning for Los Angeles. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is <laughs> yeah you guys uh this is you guys we the, need to talk to you and we also, need to <laughs> yeah that, that's one of those phrases that makes me laugh so much we need to talk to you it just like we need mm-hmm. i had this awful it's like a portlandia sketch <laughs> no totally <laughs> yeah oh the green the green knight just got here oh no oh, oh. uh so good. Uh, um, we're talking hi. about we're talking about we're the talking green about the night. green night, <laughs> or very excited, or as it is titled in our notes, the Dev Patel show because the Dev Patel him. show. <laughs> I just noticed that you actually put that in our notes, Dev Patel show, Dev Patel show. I mean, I would watch him do anything, but this is a very yeah, good same. movie <laughs> and a very, very, very interesting text. Just yes. Like, I'm, yes, I'm excited to talk about this. 
because it touches on, so like the movie itself, you know, is great. Like there's so much to talk about with just the movie, but it also touches on so many of like my favorite topics. Uh Which we will get into in our table of contents here in a second. But it also touches on a lot of my favorite themes, I have to <laughs> yes. say. Like a lot of the things that I'm the most genuinely gen genuinely interested in. Yeah. Genuine? Genuine. genuine? It's genuine. <laughs> Just saying it louder doesn't help. <laughs> That's one of my own no no's. Genuine. It's genuine. It's genuine. <laughs> I I just watched the episode where uh they're having um the uh Donna's wedding it, it's like her rehearsal oh. dinner at Tom's Bistro yeah. and April's like in the back talking to all the Meagles and she's like Meagles you got to get it together and then it pans over to <laughs> Genuine and she's like Genuine I don't want to tell you this again or like something like that I don't remember exactly yeah. what she says um uh, but but he's like I'm sorry April <laughs> sorry April like I love that they kept up the joke that like the yeah. bit that like genuine is Donna's cousin, so he's Absolutely. just there. And I love that genuine <laughs> is fully like excited to participate. Genuine too. is fully invested. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, that's a really good segue, though, Rhonda. What have you? What you've been watching? Well, Parks and Rec, of course. Yeah, of, of course. course, Parks and Rec. Yeah. Um, I just had to think about it. A I mean, little yeah, bit. yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and then you know, I am nearing the end of my Parks and Rec rewatch, uh-huh. which always makes me sad, and so I always like slow it down, and so yeah. I, <laughs> I just put on um Superstore yesterday, like yes. while I was working, to have on in the background. And then as far as like other things that I have watched. So last night I watched on the recommendation of one of my TikTok followers. I watched this Hallmark movie from 2005 called The Magic of Ordinary Days. Okay. I like that title. Starring Carrie Russell. Okay. A.K.A. Felicity. A.K.A. Jane Hayes from Austin Land. Of course. AKA Zori Bliss in the Star Wars movie I Wish I Could Forget. So. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I mean, she was great. She was great, but the movie. Okay. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that right now. So. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so this movie is from like 2005, and also um, Jughead's dad from Riverdale is in it. Skeet Ulrich? Skeet Ulrich. The yes. se- worst name I've ever I know, heard. Where did that go? <laughs> anyway, so they. Skeet. <laughs> right, so it's like the 1940s, and they have a marriage of convenience. Uh, because um because like she's pregnant and she's not married and her like her you know person who you know like got her I don't know if they were like you know boyfriend and girlfriend or engaged or whatever Unclear, um, yeah. but like he's like off you know fighting in the war because it's the 1940s so it's World War II yes and so she's like well what the heck am I gonna do and and her dad is like I'll tell you what you're gonna do you're gonna marry this guy that I found <laughs> oh like, yeah is, like did that really happen I think so. That's so. Uh, anyway, it's um, in so, enough 
things that I <gasps> think that must have been. I mean, I'm sure it did, like, in, you know, like, late 19th century, but I would think by the 1940s. I don't know, maybe. The way that my grandmother know. used to talk about, like, that time period specifically it did sound like that was a really viable option. Hmm, That's something okay. that we actually like talked about in our, um, in some of like her family, because like there was a lot of unhappiness there because of that. And she kind of explained why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, tangent, go on. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yes. So, so like he is a farmer, of course. And so, and, and she is like, um, like she had to leave, um, grad school, um, because like her mom got sick and then she got pregnant. And so like, she, you know, like it doesn't want to be in this situation. Like obviously like pregnant and no way to, you know, not be pregnant once you are in, in which, you know, is a very similar uh, situation to today. Anyway. So, (laughs) so yeah, that part was a little, that hit a little close to home. Um, but uh yeah so anyway so it's like marriage of convenience they they get married because he because he is also like um i think he's just like very like socially awkward and has never really like okay you know had a chance to like connect with somebody yeah. um so yeah so marriage of convenience and i've said that many times now but it's a good phrase so basically like they i mean you can see where it's going like they fall uh-huh. in love for real and she has the baby and like okay um but yeah it was really interesting and it, it was it was really it was nice i at the end yeah does Big Brother Jughead walk in and start taking care of everybody? Yes. With his novel that yes. he's written now. Jughead comes in and he's like, I'm not normal. I'm weird. I don't I don't, I don't want to fit in. I'm gonna be broody because I grew up in the sweet life I don't of Zach and fit Cody in, and now I'm gonna be And I don't broody. want to fit in. <laughs> Family used to own a hotel and now I moved to Riverdale and then I was <laughs> The dot, the son of Ross from Friends. Anyway, oh no, <laughs> not Ross from Friends. Never That's Ross from Friends. I had such a crush on him when I was like twelve. Ew. I know, I know. So I know. It's awful. Oh my god, who's worse, Ross from Friends, Ross Geller, or Ted Mosby? Oh no. <laughs> those are the two like worst i think <sighs> are they the same person though a little i think bit? they are <laughs> they're just the same new yorker that like women have guy. been writing about for like centuries uh-huh. yeah yeah the nice guy tm Ooh, uh, yeah so yeah. gross uh anyway yeah so that's <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's what i've been watching <laughs> Nice, 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 nice. And of course, my our our both of our you know regular weekly viewing of Abbott Elementary and The Last of Us. Oh, of course, the two most different shows from each other that you can I imagine. Well, I was thinking about <laughs> both that both the very other good. day. How interesting that those are my two weekly must watches. Yeah. Well, and Bob's, of course. Oh, Bob's Burgers. Bob's. Yeah. 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 But what about you? What do you watch it? <laughs> Um, what have I been watching? Uh, there's a new show where Eugene Levy, it's it's called The Reluctant Traveler, and Eugene Levy travels the world, 
and talks about how uncomfortable and anxious he is when he's <gasps> traveling. <gasps> and I, I love it. Gasp. It's, it's very like it's very sweet. It's him very sweetly exploring his anxieties and like really trying to get out of his comfort zone. And it it's really good. It it feels like just going on a trip with your dad a little bit cuz he'll mm. he'll like make a dad joke and people will laugh not because it's funny but like oh but because like oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, that, that kind of sounds like Stanley Tucci's show on HBO where he like travels through Italy. Oh, I hadn't, watched I hadn't heard of that, but this is it's it's that one also feels very much like being on a trip with your dad. So. Maybe this is a new genre of like things <laughs> I enjoy. Something to explore. <laughs> travels to, to different places with um with actors who seem like your dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actors who remind me a little bit of my dad. And then there's Abbott Elementary and Last of Us, obviously. Um, I also, on like, work was so bonkers that I just, like, needed a cry. Not mm. because I was sad, but I just needed to get some stuff out, you know? Yeah. So I watched, like, a few episodes of TV that, like, are guaranteed to make me cry a little bit. <laughs> Ooh, which ones are those? So, um... I don't think I've talked about it too much on here, but I'm a big Ted Lasso head. And there's one Ted Lasso mm. episode that like always makes me sob my little eyes out. And then I still never watched Ted Lasso. I did not think I would like it. And mm. I'm obsessed. Okay. Um, let's see what other good ones. Oh, the, the Leslie Nope, um, where she gets elected into office mm. always makes me cry. Um, and then they're all oh, in the Superstore Hurricane episode. Oh, Or Tornado, yeah. sorry. The Tornado, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those are my three that are like, okay, gotta get this out somehow. For me, it's uh, the finale of The Good Place. Always makes yeah. me cry. Guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. Absolutely. And you, and you know me, Erin, you can attest, I do not cry yeah. when, I watch, when I watch things. Yeah. But I always cry when I watch that episode. Totally. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, Little Women. Yes. Actually, uh, either the 1994 Little Women with Winona Ryder or the 2019 Little Women. Both of those yeah. are, will, are guaranteed to make me cry. Yeah, I loved, I haven't ever seen the, the first one, but I loved the most recent one. Yeah. Yep. The, the book Little Women also makes me cry, so. Uh, sure. It's, oh it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Most of the time, my cry, like when I, in case of emergency, need to cry in those moments, mostly, like it's usually songs, but mm. I went, I went with a visual medium this time. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I like it. What yeah. songs make you cry? Oh, uh, gosh. Oh, the, the one that worked for me this week that's been on my mind is All Will Be Well that I know <gasps> we've talked about. That's because another episode <laughs> that yeah. I didn't watch this week, but is a guaranteed to make me cry is the end of the, <laughs> the, end the world of the episode. Yeah. Mm. When specifically All when they're, oh my gosh, well. that montage is so good. Where are the faces of the presidents? <laughs> what? <laughs> 
those little moments where like when they're driving and april looks over at andy and then just like yeah i'm about to cry thinking about it right now or like when um at the very end when or when leslie goes to ben's house and he's Mm -hmm. she's like tell shauna to make herself decent and then they Uh have that little exchange where they both obviously still love each other i'm sobbing right away so (laughs) yeah yeah like that but then also the episode the smallest park episode (gasps) when they finally get back together yeah that's such a good i uh, smallest park is such a good episode it was written by chelsea peretti oh and and that's the one where tom redesigns the parks and rec logo yeah (laughs) and uh that's the one where andy takes the women's studies class (laughs) Like, it's, it's so, so good. Chelsea Pretty's so funny. Uh, and so also, funny. like, her. poignant. Like, there's, when they're having the kind of confrontation at the smallest park, um, and Amy Poehler's performance is so good there when she says, or we could just do it for real. Like, yeah, when she's just like, <sighs> I'm like, the look on Ben's face where he's oh. like, yeah, this is, this is, this is it. But then she brings that up and suddenly, like, he he looks up and he's like, what? Oh what, my- do you, what? What do you, what? <laughs> If I told you that I could, the last few of these little moments that we talked about, I can see them perfectly in my Uh head as if I'm watching Uh it. That's, they're so good. Yeah. You know, that's a big piece of why we, for me, why I, why, like, I love media is that, you know, sometimes you really just need to relate with your human sadness mm-hmm. to something else that's been explored yes. by another writer. Anyway. That's why fiction is so important. It's yeah. because if it's not about a real person, then that means that it can have like personal relevance to you, right? Yeah. Like Absolutely. it can be it can be about yourself. You can process your own. I mean, you can do that with like you know, things that are, like, based on a true story, too, I suppose. But, like, yeah, sure. in fiction especially, because it's not a real person, it can be you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, good stuff. I love it. All right. Well. I love it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah. Perfect. We love it. I'm loving it. So, so Rhonda. Yes. What was your first experience? We can go, I guess, text and then also, I mean, I know your first experience with the movie Uh because I was there. Yeah. But um, what was your first experience (laughs) with the text? Um, So I, so my first like introduction to the the specific text of uh, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight was in my, uh, I think, 10th grade English class uh-huh. um, because we had we read Beowulf and we read Canterbury Tales, yep. like, for class. And um, we didn't – we weren't, like, assigned to read Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, um, but my teacher, like, talked about it as, like, another example of, like, medieval literature. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And yeah. I was also, like – I. Uh, have said before that in middle school I was like a medieval gentlewoman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that was like the was like what I was 
you know, super interested in, I've always been interested in, like, the Middle Ages and especially, like, medievalism as expressed through fantasy fiction. Yeah. Um, Which, by the way, is one of the topics I'm going to uh-huh. talk about. So, um, I'm so excited. <laughs> very excited. So um, I, you know, had always been interested in like medieval and fantasy fiction and as like specifically like in, you know, kind of retellings of Arthurian legends. And so when I, you know, learned that like this was like connected to, um, to like the King Arthur legends, um, I was very interested in like the story. Um, I, I didn't actually read the text yet. But yeah. I was interested in, like, that whole story. And I also, around the same time, read The Once and Future King by T.H. White. Sure. In which uh, Sir Gawain or Gawain plays uh, somewhat, not super prominent, but, like, he he plays a role in that as well. He's there. Um, yeah. So that's sort of my first exposure to the whole story. Um, and then I didn't actually read it until I was in college. Yeah. Um, and read it read it for uh an early modern literature class. And yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What was your first experience with the text? So I think we read snippets of it earlier, but my like in college I took a medieval quests class. <sighs> It was, I want to take this class. It was so good. And it was at the 400 level. So it was just like a notch below like graduate coursework. Uh-huh. And it was like. So everybody there was definitely a nerd. Basically. Yeah, we were all real into it. <laughs> I don't think anyone ever missed a class. Like we were so uh-huh. into it. And our professor was so Did you cool. play Dungeons and Dragons in that class? You know what? We should have. You right? should have. Because like. Yeah, we d- we did watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail though for nice. a little bit. Um and we we did a snippet of Don Quixote too to talk <gasps> about like knight and like chivalric stuff. Yeah. Um we also read like Julian of Norwich, which is oh, fascinating. Did you did you watch the the Wishbone episode of Don Quixote? <laughs> we should have done. <laughs> should. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wishbone. Um, <laughs> What's the story, wishbone? <laughs> oh, love that dog. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just, I'm super obsessed with like symbolism in mm-hmm. literature from this time. I think it's fascinating. Anytime like I get the chance to see how the population might have thought about things, I'm fascinated. And I think there's so much in these texts that show us like the thought processes of the time and I I'm here for it. So like, I'm so excited to talk about this. Um, but yeah, I think that was my, that was my first like super deep dive. Cause we had to write like really analytical essays about it, obviously. And this class was really cool because our essays were only allowed to be one page um, double spaced. Oh. Because our professor didn't want that airy fairy, like, and thus, blah, 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 Uh like all the crap you start getting when you ask for longer page uh, limits. He was like, give me a page, double space. He even made us use, like, the typewriter font. So it was a little bit larger because he didn't want any of that. He wanted, like, you have to make. So unfiltered thoughts, like, 
And it had to, get to, to the be... point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I think he also like so there was that it had to be one page with like huge margins, um, double spaced and in the typewriter font. And in or he was the toughest grader I've ever had. He um, we had to make a con- in that time we had to make the same compelling argument and support a full thesis about the um, the work that we were studying. But you only had that long to do it. And it was mm. like. Looking back, I loved those assignments because it was really cool. So we got to do that for uh, Green Knight as well. Nice. Like, Love what a it. cool way to teach yeah. writing, you know? What it? Do you remember what you wrote about in your Green Knight paper? I don't. I really wish I did. I think I, think I wrote – it had something to do with the women of the piece and how they're written. Oh, okay. But I don't remember. I wish I did. I wish I still had it. But, yeah. you know, computers break and then you didn't save all yeah. your stuff. And, you know. There's like a couple of papers that I wrote in college that I s- wish I still had, but I don't. Yeah. So one was <laughs> one was my paper on toxic masculinity in Macbeth. Yeah. And it was called <laughs> it was called Malcolm in the Middle <laughs> as the title. <laughs> Rhonda, you're you beautiful tropical fish. That's I love, amazing. I, know, I love it so much. Um, and then the other one was my paper on uh, Austin's persuasion about like the like money being kind of like a necessary e- evil in um, like in marriages in Jane Austen and specifically in persuasion. Interesting. Yeah, I wish I still had that paper too. That's fascinating. Yeah. 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 I- anyway. I once wrote a paper, basically, while we were doing Romeo and Juliet, I had this same professor for medieval quests, and then I was obsessed with him, so I took two sections of Shakespeare with him, with the same parameters, the same short paper, whatever, and I pretty much wrote, we were doing Romeo and Juliet, and I pretty much wrote where the hell are the adults? (laughs) What are they doing? Yeah, anyway. Oh, Erin, did you ever watch Rosalind? I didn't. Oh, I think you should watch it. I think I should, too. Because it kind of has the same kind of, like, snarky thing, like, where are the reasonable people in this story? I think you would enjoy that aspect of it. (laughs) I I keep seeing that, like, come come across my desk, and I, like, haven't watched it yet. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Anyway. Um, Yes. So... Uh, but so (laughs) we saw the movie, The Green Knight together. We did. So I was witness to your initial reaction, but I'm curious about like where, where your thoughts on it now are like, what, what about this film is like most intriguing to you now that, you know, we, we first watched it like a year and a half ago. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you, Yeah. I have. What do you think? I have two. So the first is that Dev Patel. De- well, I have three. The first and <laughs> foremost is Dev Patel. Just such yes. a beautiful man. Such a <laughs> what a beautiful, beautiful man. To quote Laura like Gilmore. Um, if my- I could only find a man like Aragorn. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Oh, or De- Dave Patel. Dave Patel as Aragorn. If they have remade Lord of the Rings. Oh my God, shut the front door. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) But he could also be Legolas, like the range. 
the you know, rage. in this in the same way that Phoebe Waller Bridge did a one woman show of Midsummer. <laughs> in our imaginations, at least, not for real. Dev Patel but she could totally. Fidel could do a one man, one man Lord of the Rings. Of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yes. Oh man, yeah. Sorry, um, that didn't actually happen, but in my head, it absolutely happened. Um, yeah. Oh, the Phoebe Waller Bridge one woman Midsummer. Yeah, Midsummer. Yeah, that needs to happen. That needs to happen right now. <laughs> um, and then can she play Gollum in this Lord of the Rings? Yes. She's the only other character. <laughs> um, my thoughts. So. I remember when we first saw this together, I was really taken by how it stays like we talked about this in the car about how it stays true to the text and how stories were told at that time. Yes. And it doesn't fall into kind of the Hollywood trap. I mean, it certainly doesn't. I'm sure that if I analyzed it, there would be places where it does, but it Mm -hmm. stays true to like how these quests were written about and explored and how they would have actually felt to the people going on them. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't action packed. They really were just wandering. (laughs) Yeah. Walking Um, through wilderness a lot of the time. I'm on. Yeah. Yeah. Like. And I think that pairs really nicely with the theme about seasons changing and about um, Gawain getting older and going through his um, kind of coming of age stuff. Um, And I also am just taken by like how Shakespearean all of these actors are like they are. (laughs) I almost know what's happening as I watch this muted just based on their performances. Like it's, I'm a little bit obsessed with this, yeah. There's a certain kind of, like, I don't know if this was, like, you know, from the director or if all of the actors just made this choice, but there's a certain kind of, like, overperformance or, like, pageantry to the performances, right? Like, they're they're very stylized. They're very, like, um, what's the the opposite of naturalistic? Form... Formic? For, no, that's not it. Oh, I used to know because I Form- studied this acting Formalism. Style. Formalist, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. A, it's a very formalist. Um, yeah. I mean, really, the whole, like, most of the movie is this way. I'd say, like, especially the parts of the movie where, like, um, where you're in, like, a court setting. Yeah. It's very formalist. But then when he's, like, out in the wilderness, mm-hmm. that's a lot more naturalistic. It's very interesting. Super interesting. I think you also see it when he, in his like, um, in his romantic scenes as well. You see that kind of performing, and I think that mm-hmm. kind of feeds in a little bit to like how how he's like coming of age. You know, like he doesn't know yet how to be in those moments, so he's performative. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. Um, I think it's also something we see a lot in in good adaptations of Shakespearean pieces. Cause <laughs> I think it's kind of how we're supposed to view these stories, you know, like yeah. they're written for that kind of a performance. Like, because they're more they're I, I talked about this with Romeo and Juliet, but like it's it, Romeo and Juliet is not supposed to be literal. Right. No, like it's, right. it's, it's almost a fairy tale or like, yeah. a, 
like a myth or or a legend, right? That like yeah. it's or 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 even like an allegory almost. Um where yeah. like it's everything that's going on is very like symbolic. Um Yeah. So it makes it like it serves the the messaging and the symbolism of the story to have these more kind of formalist performances and world building. Yeah. Um, which again, to bring up Rosalind again, oh, yeah. <laughs> that really, it really like, um, there's really like a clash of like, uh, of like, you know, Rosalind coming in and being like, Oh, why are you doing this? What are you, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is so like performative and like, you know, putting on a show. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I didn't know that I was going to be talking about Rosalind so much, but it's I love it. very interesting, especially if you're looking, if you, you know, like look at Shakespeare through that lens often, it's really fun to see, um, you know, kind of a, 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 a take that recognizes that, but it's also like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> so Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, I'm okay. The Green Knight. <laughs> yeah. No, I want to same question back at you. What uh what are your thoughts on the movie now? Like an what were your initial thoughts? I kind of know like you said, I kind of know your initial <laughs> thoughts, but how are you thinking about it now? Yeah. Um so I have not rewatched it. It's probably been about at least 6 months since the last time I watched it. Sure. I'm planning to rewatch it later today. Um, it's actually probably been more than that. It could have been like, I think I, I rewatched it. Uh, so of course we saw it in the theater. And then I think when it first came out on streaming, I rented it. Cool. So that at this point would have been like over a year ago, I think. And I haven't watched it since then. Um, so I think how I think about it now, I'm remembering a lot of like the visuals. Um, like I'm, I'm remembering like the, um, like how like Arthur and Guinevere are styled. (gasps) Yeah. In like these very interesting, like, you know, medieval inspired, but also kind of like fantasy almost i would say almost sci-fi even like designs for the costuming um and then i'm also the scene that is really sticking in my mind is the scene with gawain's mother when she's doing like some kind of like a ritual Mm -hmm. um with magic um that to me is visually very cool what an incredible performance. Um, yes, so good. Yeah. Uh yeah, that's what I'm most and I also the another thing that like really sticks in my memory is um uh Alicia Vikander's dress when she's um the the nobleman's wife is like extremely low cut. <laughs> oh yeah. Well <laughs> I remember that. Uh, just like a random thing that I yeah. Um, her whole yeah, performance so, kind of as like the personification of like lust and things yes. like she per- she's incredible and the in fact movie. that she plays two roles yeah so she plays like um I forget her other her the other character's name I don't um, remember either and I just watched her just, yeah <laughs> but like yeah his like lady love in yes. this town yeah uh-huh yeah 
And also, it's uh, it's a Christmas movie. It is the Christmas so, game. Mm-hmm. The Christmas game. <laughs> because the Green Knight comes on Christmas, and he's of like, course. "Merry Christmas!" It's like, uh, it's like before there was Santa, there was the Green Knight. There was the Green Knight. <laughs> He comes on Christmas. He comes on to, Christmas. He lets <laughs> to you chop off your head. Him. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of opening presents, you got to behead him. It was good. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, it's great. The performance <laughs> of the villain in the woods is also just like yeah. incredible. That like awful guy who like uh-huh. I don't know if he's a robber or I don't know, but Yeah. The performances, man, so good. <laughs> Very yes, I'm, I'm a fan. Um, <laughs> should we get into our table of contents? Yeah. We're like 35 minutes into this episode. We're really we're, excited about this. We're really excited about it. Um, what's what's uh the topic you are most excited about? I am, I was, so as you do at 7 a.m. on a Saturday, I was perusing the Smithsonian. Oh, of course. (laughs) Well, I am talking about a book that was published by the Getty Museum. So we're on on the same wavelength here. Like museums are the shiz. (laughs) Love it. I also like, I just really wanted to be accurate in what I was sometimes on Pop DNA, like, I'm not like I'm. We're not worried about accuracy here. <laughs> but here, I really wanted to be accurate, and I also had a hunch that people, smart people, were saying smart things about this. Yeah. Um, and the Smithsonian did kind of like a conversation. It was a really short piece, so I want to deep dive into it. But they were talking about how how this piece was perceived when it was originally presented and how it's perceived today. And I really, Mm. I'm really interested to take a look at like the differences there. So when it first came out, the article posits that this would have felt more like episodic because it was part Mm -hmm. of Arthurian lore. Yeah. And then today and it would have come from like oral tradition originally, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it, I just all sorts of really interesting things there about how stories are passed down, how stories are like explored, um and how audiences like reacted to them versus today how this movie was received and mm. kind of like we mentioned before like um how the sprawling kind of not it's not a quiet movie but it ta- it's and it's not I wouldn't ever call it slow either but the pace resembles the texts a little bit more than maybe like the action movie people were thinking it would be right. so just taking a look at kind of comparing how the populace accesses this I think is interesting mm-hmm because people are interesting to me sometimes. Yeah. yeah. People are so interesting. People. Places. And then at the same time, people are so mundane. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> and I, but I think that that's something that the movie really captures is that like there are moments that are that are just very mundane and yeah. just very like yeah. not dull, but like give you a sense of like the tedium that must have existed on these, yeah. on these quests. Yeah. 
And it reminds me a little bit too about like, since such a big theme in this is nature and must Mm -hmm. much of the important things that happen in nature are slow processes. So I see a line there too about like this piece kind of replicates that part of nature as well, that, that really important patterns and processes are slow in nature and so it would make sense and the aging process is slow and we watch Mm -hmm. dev we we don't watch dev he's not in the text we watch (laughs) Gollum um kind of go through that so just all sorts of interesting stuff there um and how and it'll probably end with just thinking about how how people in general think about life now versus how they thought about it then and and how we can kind of glean those things from the texts of the day. Yes. Um, what about you, my friend? What are you excited about? Um, well, I'm very excited to talk to an author. <gasps> yeah. That uh, that I know through TikTok. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah. So uh, her name is Natanya Barron. And she is an author of, I think she's currently writing the third book of a trilogy of uh, Arthurian legend-based fantasy fiction. Um, And so she has agreed to come on the show and talk about her work and about like Arthurian legend in literature and pop culture. And I'm very excited. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, authors are like the coolest people. So yeah. I'm thinking that that will probably be uh, like part three of this. Cool. I'm hoping that we'll be able to get to do that in time. Um, yes. Yeah, so and we've already like she and I have like briefly discussed the Green Knight already. So I know she has some really interesting insights about the Green Knight. So, cool. Um, so we'll we'll talk about her books. We'll talk about things like Legendborn by Tracy uh-huh. Dion and Cursed, uh, both the book and the TV series, and um, the Merlin TV series. From yes. BBC. Um, so, yeah, I think that'll be, yeah. So, like, Arthuriana in literature and in pop culture and how, like, this, these stories still are relevant to our culture. And I Absolutely. think that'll be really interesting. Yeah. I got really excited when you texted me that. I was like, that's going to be so cool. Yay. Yay. Very excited. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, of course, like, we're, you know, we're still, we're still planning that out. And, and yeah. a lot of that, a lot of that conversation will be more of, like, kind of, kind of a, kind of an interview-ish yeah. kind of thing. But hopefully it'll be more like a, it'll feel more like a conversation um, but we don't know exactly where that will go yet. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's which is kind of exciting. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> to not have it planned out. Um, yeah. So what's another it's another topic you're excited about? So there and I I'm realizing in my notes, this is like I'm just going to consolidate. I have right now it's in two chunks, but I think I'm just going to consolidate it. Um, oh, OK, because that would make more sense if we're if we get the privilege to talk to like another human, you know? So yeah. <laughs> um, I am in the same Smithsonian uh, article. They talked about like this text as a coming of age story. And mm-hmm. 
when I first read the text, like, I don't think I thought of it that way. But the more that I read through the article and the more that like now I'm watching it again, I see those parallels. And I wanted to pair that with this really interesting book that I've been talking about for like a while now since I found it at King's (laughs) Books that's called The Fires of Lust. I'm so excited for this book. I'm really... I want to read it. Like, I'm fascinated, obviously. I'm fascinated about how we talk about these themes today. But Mm -hmm. I'm even more fascinated with how we talked about them um, in the 14th century. (laughs) So... Mm -hmm. Um, just kind of, and I, I also think that pairing that with like a coming of age discussion makes a lot of sense, especially with how go, go, I, I don't know, friends, I say it both ways. Um, yeah, you can, you can do whatever. <laughs> I always get like nervous. No one cares, but I always no, get like no nervous cares. about it. People know who you're talking about no matter like, yeah, it's fine. You, you guys know who I'm talking about. Um, yeah, D- just call him Dave. How he goes through (laughs) his, like, coming of age has a lot to do with these first experiences um, of lust. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, like, especially, I think that was one of the things that was shocking to me the first time I read it. So I was like, oh, wow. Hey, look at this. Can you imagine, like, the Victorians reading it and being like, (gasps) right. Yeah, and that's why this book is so fascinating to me, because I'm like, of course you all were still thinking about and doing this yeah. stuff, but like... like obviously. Like, what That's in, how babies are made. Like We needed the babies. <laughs> and also other reasons, and... Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> other reasons. And also the other reasons. Yep. Rhonda, mm-hmm. what are you... What else are you excited about? Pivots. Um, so... <laughs> So I also have a book, another book that I'm very excited to talk about that's called The Fantasy of the Middle Ages, An Epic Journey Through Imaginary Medieval Worlds uh, by Larissa Grolamond and Brian Keane. And it it was published by the Getty Museum um, to accompany an exhibit that they had last year about fantasy and medievalism. Ooh. Yes, so I am really excited to dig into like medievalism and fantasy fiction and pop culture and how yeah. like these ideas of the Middle Ages have persisted through fantasy fiction and into our pop culture. So, um I'm I'm still kind of like focusing this and and deciding like what specifically I want to look at, but a few ideas I have are Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And Ren Fairs. Yeah. And like our our conception of fairy tales through like both the lens of sort of like the, you know, 19th century um writings about fairy tales, but then also like Disney fairy tales. Yeah. Um and then there are a few works of fantasy in like pop culture media that I think um you know are really interesting to explore. So we have like Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. Yeah. And how our conceptions of the Middle Ages are like somewhat formed by those things, but also how 
medievalism and fa- like medievalism inf- informed both of those things. Absolutely. Um, and then we also have to talk about Star Wars because yeah. like yes Star Wars is in, is in space, but it's very clearly like influenced by medievalism and of by course. these ideas of fantasy. Like Star Wars is fantasy in space. Um yeah. so and um you know the Mandalorian just just premiered its third season and I've always thought that the Mandalorian is very much like the story of a knight like going on quests like sure. that's that's what it is um he even wears like armor <laughs> like yeah <laughs> I don't know how much clearer it could get so yeah so and then also I have like this whole thing that I could get into about how like Luke Skywalker is Arthur and Ooh. like um <laughs> and like yeah I had like this whole like I had this all like mapped out so it was like Do Luke it. Skywalker is Arthur and then like uh, like Han and Leia are kind of Lancelot and Guinevere sort okay. of like it, it's it's sort of uh ambiguous but yeah it kind of fits and then like uh Kylo Ren is Mordred and uh-huh. um <laughs> and then i think like you could say that like in this context ray becomes uh sir bedivere um okay. who was a knight at the round table yeah uh, yeah we'll get into that um but i'm very excited to talk and then and then <laughs> uh if we're keeping with Oh, yeah, yeah. So w- I'm not gonna get super deep into it right now. We'll talk about it later. I'm really I'm excited. excited. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm. I'm. Yes. We'll talk about that. Yeah. And then of course, like Obi Wan is Merlin, and um, uh, Anakin would then be Uther Pendragon in this in this scenario. Yeah. It just goes. It, yeah. it just goes on. It's yeah. Cool. Okay. <laughs> I'm very excited. I love it. Okay. Uh which what are, what else are you excited to talk about? I think those are all my topics. Oh, okay. Because we had this one and then we have the two and then we have our awesome interview. So I think that's yeah. our four. Yeah. Um I do also have one more thing. Cool. That I want to talk about. Um so and this is another thing that I'm also still researching a little bit, but I yeah. want to talk about um, like racial diversity in medieval Britain, yeah, and and also kind of linked up with like um, the the like ideas in sort of recent Arthurian retellings of like making a more inclusive space yeah. in these legends. Um, so there's like a few different things that I'll probably touch on. So one of them is a, a Tumblr and Twitter account called uh, POC or wait, Medieval POC. Oh, um, yeah. So it's, it's um, yeah, Medieval POC on Twitter and on Tumblr. Um, they unfortunately have not uh, posted anything for like a few years now, but okay. there's a lot of like really interesting um, scholarship that they have brought up um, about, you know, like, obviously, people of color existed in the med- in medieval Europe. Like, it wasn't all, you know, it wasn't all white. Yeah. Um, and then I also want to talk about 
um, a short story collection that I own called Swordstone Table that is all, um, it's all short stories that are um, retellings of Arthurian stories, but like um, a lot of them are like race bent or gender bent or yeah. they're inclusive of like LGBTQ characters. Yeah. Um, like some of them are like, they've they've like made it sci-fi. Some of them are like a modern retellings, um, like really, uh, like really cool, really representative of how like all you know, like this one specific cultural touchstone can be like transcended and be mm-hmm. like, you know, um, taken on by, by, by everyone. Um, what yeah. was the name of that book? Swordstone Table. That sounds amazing. Yes, it's great. And it has stories in it by uh, Silvio Morano Garcia. Uh huh. And uh, Roshani Chokshi and Sarah McLean. Um, so I I bought it for those three stories and read those three immediately. I was gonna go <laughs> ahead the other... and add that to my cart. Yeah, the other stories in it are are really good too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that'll be interesting, and that might dovetail well with um with the ideas of like how audiences received the story yeah in you know back in the day versus now i think that that will like those two things will kind of weave together really yeah, well so totally yeah but yeah I'm, uh, I'm so excited <laughs> this is reminding me how much i loved like medievalism and arthurian lore when I was like in elementary school, I was mm-hmm. really big into this and I kind of yeah. forgot that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, Cause I'm like nerding hard right now. Like this is really, I'm so into this. This is the coolest thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Fox <laughs> I've also, another thing that I've been watching recently, there's this creator on TikTok who I forget her username but she does these like Kardashian parody videos <laughs> that are so good. And, like I am like not super familiar with the Kardashians. Like everything I know about them is against my will. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but so. um, she is. It's so funny. And like I, I've started like picking up some of the mannerisms that she satirizes because, like, <laughs> I'm sure that like. She's exaggerating those mannerisms yeah. from what the real Kardashians actually do. But I am I view it because like I don't really watch yeah. the actual Kardashians. I just watch these videos. So I <laughs> am like picking up these mannerisms. Yeah. But sure. there's this one like she um for one of them she like apparently they say yeah a lot, but they say it like mm, yeah. <laughs> So I've been saying that to like oh, end the no. sentence, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's and scary. she's brilliant. Like this, uh, like the the woman who does these videos. She's so funny. Uh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it scares me how easily that is for me. How easy that is for me to um, imitate because I'm yeah. so used to it from growing up. <laughs> Well, it's also like, I mean, that's, 
It's sort of, I guess it's sort of, you know, comes from like, sort of like the valley girl, uh-huh. like, you know, dialect or whatever. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but it's sort of evolved into like the, like the vocal fry. Yeah. And like the, like that, like the, the Kardashian voice. Right. Valley and like girls has became universal. Where... Yes. Like it sort of has like worked its way into just our common speech patterns. Yeah. At See, I almost for, just did it, just right there. At least for women, like for young yeah. women, yeah, uh, yeah. And then yeah. you know, old old white men decided that that was a reason to to look down on young women mm-hmm. because we can't, you know, culture hates mm-hmm. young female people <laughs> or young feminine presenting people. Sincerely, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, so that's <laughs> yeah. the Kardashians. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send you one of the videos because they're so funny. <laughs> oh, please do. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to, that's the Green Knight that we're, we're talking yeah. about, the Green Knight, and I'm going to go watch it again. I'm going <sighs> to, I'm going to probably watch this like if I'm, I can't. I'm obsessed with this right now. It's so yeah, good. And I'm not, it's so good. it is so compelling. And I have, I don't even have the sound on like that's right. a testament to this movie. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I also just really want his Fox. Oh yeah. Cute. I forgot about his sweet Fox friend. The Oh, like in Fleabag, how the priest has a Fox that follows him around. You're right. Oh, I need to uh-huh. watch Fleabag again. Except too. Fleabag is the fox, right? I'm just, I'm realizing I need to rewatch Fleabag. It's been too right? long. It's, yes. It's always a good time to rewatch Fleabag. And I go through times where, like, I need kind of the happy hopeful of a Parks and Rec or a Superstore. But I think now I need the angst. I think, mm. like, like, right now. Yeah. You know, Green Knight's a little bit angsty, and I'm really digging it. And I think it's I cathartic, also, right? Like, it's really cathartic. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so easy for my mouth to do. I can't. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. All right. Enough of that. Uh, We're going to wrap this up. So keep listening, listeners, please, because we are going to talk about, we're going to nerd out and we're going to have fun. We are. (laughs) Okay. Okay, friends. (laughs) Uh, Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.